0: Today we're in the book of Ephesians again, going through our series, In Christ, and we're, we're learning what it means to be as parents when we're in Christ, what the Lord wants for us there. I've entitled this sermon, God-honoring parents leave an eternal legacy. You have to be intentional about showing your children who God is through your life and through the Word if they're going to come to Him. I remember years ago, my daughter, Candace, at the age of four, had watched a children's video, and the video was about the Ten Commandments. And afterwards, she dictated these Ten Commandments to her mother, and Karen was wise enough to write them down. And Candace, you can see, she's, try, she's trying to learn. It's, you know, it's, it's coming to her, this, this difference between right and wrong. But she wrote her own, and here's, here's how they go. Number seven, that's where she started. Don't unobey your parents. Number eight, never eat poison. That's a good one. Number eight, these are her numbers. Never swim in water if you can't. Number nine, fairies aren't real. Number nine, never visit sharks if you're under the water. That's a good one. Never ride a bike if it's too sharp on the top where you sit. I think we had a bike with the seat off of there. Number seven, never go on top of a TV. Experience is a good teacher. Number seven, never eat leaves. Number nine, never shut a door if somebody's finger's in there. And number nine, they're all seven, eight, and nine, never climb up some curtains. So these are her her little mind and heart learning the difference between good and bad. How do we show our children good and bad? Well, the Word is where we take them, and church is where they, uh, they can discover more and more of the Word as well as from the parent. Let's pray. Father, I invite your presence. <clears throat> Holy Spirit, come and minister to our hearts. We need you, Lord. We long for you to be our teacher And our guide. Let your word speak to our hearts right now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So three things for parents today, excuse me, that I see in this passage in Ephesians 6.1. The first is, raise your children to honor and obey you. You can see in Ephesians 6.1, it says, children obey, but I have a question for you. The reason I said, raise your children to honor and obey you is, does it, can a two-year-old understand or read that? No. And we see later that we're talking to dads in this passage too, so it's on the parent to make sure <clears throat> that the guidance leads this way. The children, it says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right, honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. Parents, you're going to have to be intentional about your children obeying you and honoring you, and, and here's the key. I'll say it at the, the front and I'll say it at the end here as well. As you follow Jesus and teach your children to honor and obey you, you're really teaching them to honor and obey God. If we're following Him, we're doing our best to know Him, and, and, and we're, we're, we're living out the Word before them as examples, it's so important because it leads to their honoring and obeying His Word and honoring and following Him. And if we're not careful as parents, we become contributors, contributors to our children's own demise. We do that by following cultural trends. And the one in America right now that, that, that is happening is Americans say, the American philosophy is cater to your children's desires. We've got to be careful because it'll spoil them at home, but it'll spoil them in life if we cater to their every desire. You are not to obey your children's every desire. They are to obey you. You are not to yield to their wisdom. They are to yield to yours. The point is we're trying to get them to follow Jesus, being our example he has set before us of, to be kind and biblically moral and doers of good. But it's more than rules. Look on the screen. The key to success in parenting isn't saying the right words and making the right rules. Rather, it's that the parents become a living example for their children as Christ followers. So as we look at this, let me say there are no perfect parents. I haven't been, you haven't been, those who come behind us won't be. And yet, we can all be better parents if we work at it. So that's where, that's where we start and for those of you who come from broken families and didn't have good examples, let me say to you that the Bible is full of broken families everywhere. David and Bathsheba and that sin and the pain it caused. Joseph sold into slavery by his family. Moses put in a basket, wandering out in the desert. All kinds of trouble, division, sin, pain. So rather than look at where we've been and say, I can't be because of, what we need to do is say, Lord, I start right now, regardless of where I've been, I start right now to do my very best to follow you. But you, but you, you, you won't be perfect. I remember a time when my son was uh, right around a year old, maybe 11 months. He talked really good when he was very young. We're driving down I-5 on a Sunday afternoon, no traffic around anywhere, and from the back seat, just Karen, me, and Aaron, from the back seat, little Aaron says, come on, lady. My wife gives me one of these, you know. I'm like, hey, at least he didn't cuss. I don't cuss. Give me a break, you know. But I, I need to improve. You need to improve. And so what we do is we just say, okay, God, I'm in. I, I, I want to be that example. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus on my kids knowing that I'm, I'm trying to teach them and show them the right way. And that takes intentionality. Proverbs 1. Shows the way it's supposed to work. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. You see the intentionality there. Dad's in. And do not forsake your mother's teaching. We're engaged and he's talking primarily about the things of God. Father's instruction concerning God. Mother's teaching and training concerning God. And our message, our main message, if we're doing it right for our children is, if you follow God's way for your life, it's going to turn out better for you. If you follow God's word for your life, Not just hear it, but obey, your life will go better. Personal relationship with Jesus, but hear, follow, and obey, and your life will go better. That's what we're trying to show our kids. We're raising them to let them go. But we, even with teenagers, don't let them do whatever they want to do. There's a trend in America to say, well, you know, I, I want them to choose their own path. I want them to make their own mistakes, and to that I say, no, no, we we don't want them to make the same mistakes we made. We learned from it, and so we we try to steer them as much as possible away from the bad things. We don't just let them go to wherever they want to go and get wounded and hurt. You have to stay engaged. Now, as it's working right, as our children get older, they get more and more privileges, right? Right? We're giving them more, not only more responsibility but more privileges because they earn it with their maturity and we I like a book my friend wrote called Hold Me While You Let Me Go. It's talking about the teen years and it's, we, we offer them love but we're teaching them to uh, to how to do life and how to make good decisions so we have to give them more uh, choices along the way but that doesn't mean we give them stupid choices or we let them do whatever they want. Here's why. In the American Academy of child and adolescent psychology December 2011 scientists have identified a specific region of the brain called the amygdala which is responsible for instinctual reactions including fear and aggressive behavior this region develops early however the frontal cortex the area of the brain that controls reasoning and helps us think before we act develops later okay so this part of the brain is still changing and maturing well into adulthood and based on the stage of their brain development adolescents are more likely to so their brain hasn't fully developed they're more likely to act on impulse misread or misinterpret social cues and emotions get into accidents of all kinds get involved in fights engage in dangerous or risky behavior adolescents are less likely to think before they act you probably didn't need a psychologist to share that with you to let you know that that's true however Are they smart? Sure, you know, they can, they can teach you how to run your iPad and all the apps on and your computer, and they're, they're so much quicker at that stuff, but quicker doesn't mean that they have a download of a lot of information. And, and teens t- tend to think, well, my parent doesn't know very much. They can't even do this, this you know, this little app thing. Well, look at it as a computer that's, that, you know, your computer doesn't have very much information on it, so it moves faster, Okay. And, and theirs is loaded, uh, so it, take, you know, it takes a little longer for it to come out right, but it's loaded with a bunch of good information, and it may seem slow to you, but there's wisdom that's there. So we have to be, I like that term that we have to sign for every now and then uh, for our children as guardian, parental guardian. You are the guardian. So when it comes to their phones, you, you have to be concerned about what they're doing on their phones. Because now there's sexting that's going on. And, and, and I don't know if you know it, but it's really happening. Even, even with younger children in junior high these days, they're, they're getting into uh, these uh, social media where there's even areas they can go. that are all about cutting. And it's deep, dark, depressing things, and they see people cutting themselves. And children are being led into cutting with this stuff as we're seeing this phenomenon in our generation. We've got to protect our kids from this stuff. And, 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 and then you, you, you think of the things that they could find on their computer when it comes to pornography and bullying. And, and, and we, we need to be concerned about what they listen to with their music even. And, and take, take hold of these things as much as you can as you move forward because they matter. Wh- whatever comes in goes out. And so we have to, we have to, we have to say, okay, we're, we're gonna watch and we're gonna be careful for the sake of our children that they might be blessed. Because the truth is, your teen will want more freedom than they can handle. Freedom's a good thing because you're raising them to let them go. You're giving it to them more and more as they're raised up and they're responsible, but you're you're, you're not illogical about it. We have to say no to our children. We can't be so concerned about relationship. And you know what? You can give a great explanation and they they won't understand it or they may not receive it when they understand it. But you still have to say no. Take a look at this video and see a mom who is starting early with her child. Wait, no. No! Haze, uh-uh, don't do it. No! Don't do it. No! Don't do it. Don't do it. No. No. No! 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 no. no. <laughs> don't even think of, no, uh-uh. Uh-uh.
1: Don't even
0: think about no. Uh-uh. No. No. No.
1: <laughs>
0: if we don't say no, there's going to be more accidents. That's that's the the point, right? And and you have to watch it because <clears throat> I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I so appreciate public schools in so many ways, and there's some great Christian teachers in the schools, but. But, but there's some vain philosophy in our, in our public school systems. It's true. Your kids are going to get downloaded with some information that's not right, according to God's Word, and they're going to get pressure on it. So you have to know exactly what's going on in their lives so you can counteract the lie that would rise up. It says in Colossians 2.8, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human t- tradition and basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. So we are guardians. We are those that watch and those that are, are careful and those that lead our children to the word of God, which will bless their life. The long-term goal is to develop godly, mature, obedient followers of Jesus Christ. If you train them, here's the second point this morning, if you train them to honor and obey you, things will go well for them. Now, I, I might add, and it's, it's obvious, but once you establish that you're out of the home you don't have to obey your parent anymore that that you you've shown that you can take care of yourself and pay your own bills and get out and you're outside the home so when you're gone or you establish a new unit a family unit you don't have to obey your parents anymore according to the word of God we see that all the way through with examples because you started a new family and there's a new authority in that home new authority between mom and dad so but but I do want to add that you should always honor your parents that's, that's a lifelong deal. And you say, well, my parents weren't honorable. Well, he, here's the thing. You, you can honor them for at least one thing, and that's they, bio, they biologically brought you into this world. And as we follow the Word of God, even though we may not feel like it, anybody ever been there? It's, it happens a lot for me. I don't feel like it, but I know it's right, right? And there's going to be, uh, the, the results won't be as good if I don't follow. So you say, my parents weren't honorable, But as you start to honor them, even when they don't deserve it, and by the way, didn't Jesus come for us before we deserved it? Didn't he do the right thing for us? As you honor them and love them, what happens is it'll warm their heart closer to God and his ways. That scripture in Romans uh, that says, you'll heap burning coals upon their head. Often some people think, that, you know, when you do the right thing and they've done the wrong thing is what that passage is talking about. People think, we're, we're getting back at them. Yeah, see, we got them with hot coals on their head. But in the culture, when, when you got a chill in your body and you were cold, they would wrap a wet towel around your head and put hot coals on the wet towel, and you know that heat escapes from your head. And what they did it for was to warm the body back to normalcy and to a good place. And so what happens when we do the right thing, even though they've done the wrong thing and been dishonorable, and we love, and you know, I know we've got to work through the pain, but I'll tell you this, Jesus is big enough to help you get over the pain. He's just big enough to help you be okay, even if they never do the right thing. But you can follow His truth and honor Him, and and honor them, and the Lord will still, still bless you. Doesn't mean you're calling bad, good. Just means you're following the Word, and the Lord will bless you for that. But it goes, it goes on to say here in Ephesians 6.3 that, that they should, children should honor and obey that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, I, I want you to notice enjoy, the word enjoy in there. You want your kids to enjoy life, get them to follow Jesus from their heart. Be a Christ follower. And the long life is just practical, right? You teach them to stay away from drugs. It'll kill them. They'll live longer if they stay away from that stuff. From alcohol that could hurt them and wound them, and and venereal disease, AIDS, car accidents, where they don't show enough caution. Your wisdom will protect them, so even their lives are longer. When Aaron was five years old, he spoke something that really all children, they usually discover it in the teen years, but he said this to me at one point. just five years old. He said, Dad, how come you can do what you think in your head, and I can't do what I think in mine? He was on to that pretty early in life. And I said, well, buddy, it's, you know, I've been down the road and I know some things that'll that'll help you and keep you in a safe place. And I'm just I'm just trying to bless your life. I'm just trying to help you along the way. But they're going to think that along the way. Why can't I do what my what I think in my head? You can. More and more, but if you think mom and dad get to do everything they want to do, you got another thing coming. Mom does so much every day that's just busy, hard, difficult work, and she doesn't want to do it, but she does it because it's the right thing and she loves. And so there's a misconception there that, in, in a way, but 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 we have to understand that if we'll stay with it, we're going to bless their lives. Now let me tell you what one of my pet peeves is. Been 22 years a pastor at this church. Now 22 years this month. Where I, where I came for my first Sunday. And, and one of my pet peeves as I've watched is people who say something like this, I don't make my children go to church. Well, I have a thought for you. Again, a pet peeve, so I'm going to try to stay away from an attitude here. Um, do you make them go to school? Do you make them go to practice for sports? Now, I'm, I'm going to shock you. It's more important that your kids go to church than it is that they go to school. You say, well, that's against the law not to go to school. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean that it's more important. That doesn't make it more important than going to church. When they go to church, they're going to find Christian friends. They're going to be infused with the Word of God. And if they're at church, it means you're at church. And one of the things I would like you to know is, if I could say one thing that would make a difference for you finding God for your family's sake and growing and becoming all that the Lord wants you to be, if I could say one thing, it would be this, go to church every week. Get your kids involved in the church programs. Why? Because that's where they'll develop friendships. And when they have Christian friends that are coming alongside them, their decisions become way different. The things that they're tempted to drop to a whole nother level than the things of, that other friends that don't know God might do. And every week we're trying to lend something to you that would help you to grow about reading the Word. And, and, and Josh said last week, and didn't he do a great job preaching last week, Pastor Josh, he, he blessed my heart. Such, such a great young man. He told you about the importance of parents and how important it is, but I'm going to tell you, I don't think you can be the best parent you can be without church. Because here's what it says in the Bible, in Hebrews 10.25, let us not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Now, when I say in church, I mean when church is working right. Because everybody has an example where church didn't work right and leaders were rotten, and so there's that. But when it's working right... And when people love God and they're giving you the word of God in a service, as parents, you'll sit here and you'll grow every week. You're not missing this this steady food that's coming and the encouragement to love your children, to raise your children, to be in the word, to be a person of prayer, to be a person of integrity and character. We're helping you. That's the way God wants it to be. Follow Jesus. And as you follow Jesus, they're going to follow him better. And then they're getting something about obeying parents up there in children's church or in the youth group. They're getting messages that's that's angled towards what they're dealing with when it comes to sexuality in junior high and high school. And if you don't think they're hearing about it before junior high, you've got your eyes closed in this culture. So they need to hear what's right. We want to lend strength to you. And one of the main things I could say is be in church. Craig Groeschel says, if you often overrule church for something else, but never overrule something else for the worship of God, you're sending a very clear message of what is most important to you. Now, I, I love sports. I'm a former athlete. I don't say I'm an athlete anymore. I'm a former athlete. and And so I love to watch it. I love to play. But I'm going to tell you something. When you say to your kids inadvertently, That you don't realize it, but you say to your kids inadvertently when they take sports, takes up their Saturday and their Sunday, and they never go to church. What you're saying to them over those few years that that's happening is sports are more important than church. And that should not be. My kids had chances to be in elite programs when they were young for, for sports, but I wouldn't do it because it would take them out of church. And to me, that's a priority that's way greater. As much as I love sports, and I think God uses sports. He, you don't have to be in sports on Sunday. And, and, and I believe that we have to make a decision that we're going to be here. We're going we're to walk the walk. And you know what? I rarely see, I, I see often a woman come to church without a husband, but very rarely do I see a husband come when he comes without his wife. It happens, but very rare. You know why? Because when a man will lead the way God's called him to lead, the family will usually follow. And, and God's calling us to step up. It talks to Dad a little later in this passage. One of the keys to your child's healthy spiritual growth is regular interaction with godly friends, peers, and mentors in the body of Christ. We're trying to help Pastor David and Pastor Josh are putting together some great things for you. Take a look at the screen and look at ways we want to help you as parents as
1: you grow we've been talking about leading your family spiritually and maybe you're like me and you thought yeah i'd love to do that but but how where do i start maybe you didn't have great examples yourselves you can read books and go to seminars and there's some great ones out there in fact it can get a bit overwhelming we aren't saying you need to do everything all at once but what if you could take just one more step to lead your family maybe you've never done anything with your kids spiritually we'd love to suggest some ways to start Maybe you've been at it for years and we want to encourage you and give you fresh ideas. On your seats this morning, you'll find this card that says Horizon Families. The card will point you to some great resources. Let's start with the blog. At horizonfamilies.org, you'll find a blog with resources to encourage and equip you to lead your family. This blog is brand new and already there's a lot of helpful information including blogs from experts, tips for parenting and information on what we're talking to your kids about on Sundays and how you can lead a discussion with your student about it. You'll also find links to helpful books and tools and forms. You can even register for summer camp and we're adding more every week. You can keep up with Horizon Families through social media. You'll find encouragement, tips, and articles that relate to what your kids and students are learning here and how you can reinforce it at home. And you'll get pictures and videos from Horizon Kids and Horizon Youth events and experiences. It's really awesome. Then there's the ParentQ app on iOS and Android. In the app, you can select preschool or elementary for your kid's age and get custom content that is directly related to what your kid's experiencing in Horizon Kids. It's broken up into the rhythms of life, including cuddle time and bath time, meal time, drive time, hang time, bedtime. There's videos and songs and activities, discussion guides, podcasts, a ton of stuff. I use this app all the time. When I ask my boys what they learned about at church, I often hear, Jesus, which is great, but I want to know more specifics. The app helps me know what they're hearing at church. A few weeks ago, they were learning about the Good Samaritan. I opened up the ParentQ app and was scrolling through it, and I found the bath time activity for my preschoolers. The activity suggestion was to take the boys' bathtub toys and use them to act out the story of the Good Samaritan so I did that. It was was super silly and my boys laughed so hard. Then they asked me to do it again, so we did it again. And Then I asked them to show me the story and they did. And now every time at bath time, I have to use scuba steve and a rubber ducky and a fishy and a frog to tell the story of the Good Samaritan. I love that God's word is coming alive in my boys' hearts. I'm a big fan of Parent Q, both as a youth pastor and a new dad. Our goal is to equip and encourage you to lead your kids and students in their faith. The tools listed on this card are available to help you do that. Thanks for all you do to lead the next generation to Jesus.
0: So we're trying to help you, and here's the deal. Showing up is 90% of success. Let let us lead you closer to Jesus, and, and, and look, we're growing too, we're becoming, but every week... You, you actually pay us to seek God for you and get a word for you. And and the Lord meets us, and he helps us, and please let us help you. You can see these guys are working hard to make sure that you've got something for your kids. And if you have young kids, start now, man, and just stay with it, and it'll, it'll bless their lives. So Karen and I have been married 33 years. My wife may, may be the finest person I've ever met in my life. Just... Um, one of the greatest people, if not the greatest person I've ever met. And um, we've been married for 33 years, and I saw a friend this week who just, uh, from high school, who went through a hard time and his wife divorced him, and, and I, 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 think, I think he had done everything right, but you know, it, it, if you're going to be married a long time, one of the key components is it, is it takes two to be committed, Right? And so if both aren't completely committed in that relationship, the way the Bible asks us to be, then it breaks down. But when you find two people that are committed, such as my wife are, to Jesus and to one another, it's harder to break it up. But it's bigger than that. As I look at our lives in 33 years and the way we've been blessed, my friend said to me, I, you know, you guys don't know how blessed you are. I watch on Facebook, and I said, hey, just so you know, we never put the arguments on Facebook. Uh, everything looks great on Facebook, right? We can look sweet. Um, but, it, but, but Karen said, it's true, though, that we really do love each other. And he said, you're so blessed. And, but, but, you know, as I thought about that, I want to tell you why. I, I want to tell you where I believe most of the credit goes. Her mom and dad were married for 54 years before mom died. My parents have been married 57 years. When we grew up, they had us in church every time the doors were open. They lived in front of us. Now, my parents weren't perfect, but I'm going to tell you, they loved Jesus. And they made mistakes, but they'd fall down and they'd get up. They'd go maybe one step back, two steps forward, but we always kept moving towards Jesus. They taught us not only to honor and serve Jesus and have a relationship with Him, but they, they taught us that the Word of God is the truth. And they taught us the difference between obeying the Word of God and reading the Word of God. Reading, it's not enough. That when it's obeyed, people say, well, when does that abundant life kick in? Listen, if you're just reading but have no heart to follow, then it never kicks in the way. I mean, you, you can be a believer and still not have what, all that He wants you to have if you're not obedient. And they taught us these things. And they loved us. And they walked with us. So when her and I got married, we had those things in our hearts. And then we were committed to one another, and there's so much of why we've been able to do as well and have as much success as we've had. Alan, Jane, Ray, and Sylvia. So what if no matter where you've been, what and, and, and even for me, I've got some growth areas that I'm working on. What if we just looked at God right now, regardless of the past, and said, Right where I'm at, Lord, I, I want to do it right. Help me. I'm going to follow you. And men, what if we said we're in and we're going to be leaders in our home and, and we're going to church and, 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 and we're going to honor God with our lives? Here it is as we see that our parents taught us to honor and obey them and God as a result. We grew up, we continue to follow God's ways and our lives, our marriage, our family has been tremendously blessed because they were all in. Deuteronomy eleven eighteen. 18. So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. You see, they're just living life in God, walking with their children. So that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish. You want your children to enjoy life and to flourish? Then we follow God. Third point, train your children to follow lo- the Lord without discouraging them. Some well-intentioned parents actually can discourage their kids, exasperate them, or bring anger out of them. If, if they try to follow God in, in imbalanced ways. And let me speak to that. Here's what it says in the King James Version of verse 4. And I chose the King James, which I don't normally use, because the words are better than the other versions, according to the, the original Greek, at least in my opinion. It says, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, and bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, isn't it interesting that it's talking to dads here? Right? Right? I mean, it, it specifically shows us that dads can be the, one of the biggest reasons that our children are exasperated. So we got to watch. It. And, and, and um, he calls us out on this, but remember, there, there, are, no, there are no numbers or, or chapters or verse numbers in the Bible when it was originally written and penned by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's just one long letter. And just a little bit before this, it was calling dads to accountability, saying you need to lead by example. You need to be ahead of your house by loving and giving and serving and going. So now he does it again in the context of the letter. He says, come on, dads, stand up. Stand up and be the leader and, 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 and pave the way. And in essence, he's saying here, God's using the word fathers as a verb and not a noun. It's something that we're supposed to be actively doing, fathering. And, 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 he, and he says, don't provoke them to wrath. Another version, don't discourage. And then another version, don't exasperate them. And I want to use that word. So, so A, we do this by not exasperating them. And there's two extremes that discourage our children. Legalism and permissiveness. There's a, there's a balance between grace and truth. And legalism, let, let me just choose movies for a moment because that was something that a generation... Sometimes doesn't want kids to go to movies. They call the theater evil. Well, there's good movies that could play at the theater, and 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 there's really bad movies at the theater. And what we want to teach our children is how to make good decisions. And if we block everything, in an extreme way, to say I don't ever want to see you there. Uh, uh, I had a guy tell me that his mom wouldn't let him go see The Cross and the Switchblade when he was young because it played in a the theater. And and so, so so. The the point is, we need to go see good movies or movies that aren't bad. And let me just say this, parents: if it's bad for your children and they shouldn't see it, it's bad for you and you shouldn't see it. Nudity will never ever help us anywhere in life. It will hurt us in a lot of places as it breaks down the the, the truth of biblical morality. And, And so so, yes, we have to watch it, but but we teach our children to make good decisions and we don't exasperate them and embarrass them in front of their, their friends, and we, we, try to, we, we, we try to make alternatives that, uh, uh, or, or, and help them understand. But then there's permissiveness where we pull away completely and say, you make your own decisions, and, and we'll just leave it to you, and you make your own mistakes. And that becomes discouraging too. As a matter of fact, some of my friends, I had pretty strict parents. Some of my friends told me that their parents didn't care. And what they meant is my parents don't care. And, and what, what they're saying is, I wish I had somebody who would love me enough to try to protect me from things, but I'm on my own. And so we can discourage them going either way, too hard or too soft. And, and, and I think it's appropriate here because this exasperation thing, it, you, you can see the context that there needs to be love and relationship with dad there. Not just rules, but love and relationships. Rules without relationship always equal rebellion. Write that one down. Rules without relationship always equal rebellion. So here's how your children, guys, will spell love: T I M E. You can say you love them, but when you give them time, they feel your love and they know they're loved. A survey at an elementary uh, of an elementary a survey of elementary children, I should say, was conducted several years ago, which indicated the ten most appreciated qualities for dads. And I was shocked by how good this list is, put together by kids saying that this is what they would appreciate from their dads. first thing they would appreciate is that he takes time for me. The second is he listens to me. And, you you know, I, I said it in the first two services. I want to say it again. I think one of the mistakes I made as a dad is I didn't listen well enough to my children and even to my wife. I meant well. I thought I was right, but I was always given direction from my heart and never listening enough to their hearts. So what do I do with that? My kids are pretty much raised now. Well, what I do is, number one, I own it. I didn't even realize it to these last few years. But I see it now. So I'm going to God and I'm saying, God, I'm not very good at listening. Oh, look, a birdie. Because I'm ADD kind of thing, you know. And But I need to be because they won't feel love if I, Lord, I do love them. And so I'm asking God to help me even now to be better, be a better listener. So... Perhaps if you're not doing as well as you'd like to do on somewhere in this list, maybe you could be like me and we could just say together, let's grow. Let's grow and let's become more like Jesus so we can bless our families. Let's just start right now wherever we're at. He takes time with me. He listens to me. He plays with me. He invites me to go places with him. He lets me help him. He treats my mother well. He lets me say what I think. He's nice to my friends. He only punishes me when I deserve it. He isn't afraid to admit when he's wrong. I thought that was a pretty good list put together by elementary kids. And it, it certainly follows biblical truth. A second component of this is there's relationship, but there's a holy tension in these two things. You see them in this verse. A tension between relationship where we don't exasperate them and then discipline which they need. Now this is something that that our generation in America is letting go of because we're afraid of what the culture will say. But those two words, nurture and admonition, might surprise you what they mean in the Greek. Nurture not only means education and training, but it means, by implication, disciplinary correction. You never thought of nurture as disciplinary correction, did you? Because it's not a way we use that word much these days. But that is love and affection too. Admonition in the Greek means chastening, chastisement, mild rebuke, or warning. So we have to show up and love with relationship, and we have to be the one that says no sometimes, but the one that's that that's disciplining and correcting and and warning and even giving rebukes to our children at times. It's part of what God wants. Now, you say, I don't, I don't know if that jives with me. Even God says that he disciplines his children whom he loves. And the passage where he says that indicates that that you don't love your children if you don't discipline them. It's exactly what it says. And so this is part of love, too, to, to guide them, to help them. <clears throat> when Aaron was five, and man, he's, he's, he's in the sermon all over the place today, but when he was five years old, I, I was, I, I was, I was going to spank him for something he did. I think, I can't remember exactly, I think he hit a kid with his plastic baseball bat. So I took him into his room, and I put him on his bed and said, you can't do that, son, and daddy's going to spank you. And some people say, man, I don't believe in spanking. Well, Listen, the Bible says in Proverbs 29:15, the rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. So we should never bruise or, or wound deeply. It's just about applying a little bit of pressure on the seat so they don't get a lot more pressure and danger beyond. If they're running across the road and you keep saying no and they don't stop, you might, help, you might need to let them know for their own safety's sake this is a bad deal. So, so, it's, so I think it's appropriate time, but there's other ways to discipline as well. You can, you can take things away. But I brought him in there, and I was going to spank him. And I said, son, I'm going to have to spank him. And he grabbed my face, standing on his bed, and he pulled me in close like this. Big old eyes. And he said, Daddy, I have an idea. <laughs> and I said, what is it? And he said, let's spank really easy, Okay. And, and then, <clears throat> then, you know, I was trying to keep from laughing. I said, I don't think we can do that because you need to learn that you can't, you can't do that to other people. And I said, I think Daddy has to spank hard enough where you learn. He goes, we can spank easy and I'll learn. It's okay. It's okay. Well, he didn't get his way, but he probably got it a little easier because I was laughing. But, <clears throat> but you know why I, 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 I disciplined him? Because I love him. I don't want to hurt his feelings. I don't want to hurt him in any way. I love him and I want him to choose the right path. That holy tension between relationship and discipline. Sometimes as teenagers, you know, it's not appropriate as they get older to to spank. And we have doctors, uh, I think Dobson will say somewhere around the age of 11 or 12, they don't think you should spank beyond that uh, those years, and so discipline might look different in those days. One of the things you can do is take away a phone, and they feel like you've cut their leg off these days. These teenagers, right? They, they can't function. You know, they're falling apart. I remember when my kids were young teenagers, they had, they had phones and were going over a mountain pass, and they said, I don't have service. And I said, yeah, you won't have for an hour or two here. And one of them said, this is dangerous. <laughs> well, yeah, just think of the olden days when we didn't have phones, you know, and uh, but you know what? We, we need to let them know that that behavior is going to bring even more pain in the future. I'm going to make you feel a little pain now so you don't feel a lot in the future because I love you. That's how God does it to, to bless us and that's how we should do it to bless our children as well. So it's before you today. Love your kids by walking with them. And I'll say it again. When you train them, to honor and obey you and you're following Jesus with your life. They're learning to honor and obey God because as they're raised, you've shown them that His ways are right and true and good and and you're walking with them and loving loving them. They buy in and they follow God with their life.